Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Word Balloon is brought to you by AlexRossArt.com. Alex has been a longtime sponsor of Word Balloon. I greatly appreciate it. You got to go to his website. You will find tremendous art from original work, covers, pages, fantastic lithographs, amazing posters. Every price point is covered and every subject is covered at alexrossart.com. You've enjoyed his iconic looks at DC and Marvel, but also great stuff like his wonderful work on the monkeys, Monty Python, so many other great pop culture things that Alex has put his fingerprints on. His wonderful Flash Gordon poster that evokes the fantastic Dino De Laurentiis, Sam Jones movie. Recently, Alex did things like uh, the timeless Marvel covers featuring great solo shots of all your favorite Marvel heroes. And of course, his Fantastic Four full circle graphic novel still available. All waiting for you now at alexrossart.com. Welcome back, everybody. Time again for Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Carl, I always forget, Kiesel or Kessel? Kiesel, right? Kiesel, Kiesel, Kiesel. I thought so. Okay. I don't get upset either way. You know, I, I live. I, I'll survive. Please, you, you can imagine how my, my name gets murdered. But uh, good to see you, Carl Kiesel. Welcome back to Word Balloon. Good to see you too, John. And uh, congratulations, man. You got another Impossible Jones campaign underway. And uh, I, got the, uh, I got the lobby card here. Hold on one second. Because okay. it's a special story. Am I right? This is... Uh, yeah, uh, a, a great team up, uh, Impossible Jones and even Steven. Yeah, even Steven's going to have uh, some backup stories in this book. Uh, he's very popular, and, and chances are David and I will do something solo with him very soon in the future. But uh, but right now he he, he is going to be in the main story too. This what I've done, uh, what David and I've done for the last four. This is the fourth one. Uh, Impossible Jones books are do a series of team ups with different characters in our universe, and the idea was uh, this would be kind of smaller scale stories, which would give us room to explore the world and explore the characters and really kind of feel out and, and, and expand on what little had been, you know, established in the graphic novel. And, and of course, as, as these things uh, do, it got way out of hand. It got way out of hand. And what was for small, self-contained stories, and, and you know, I thought, well, we're talking 24-page stories, right? And the first one was 30, 30 pages right out of the gate. Second one, 38 pages. Third one, 48 pages. And, and, and in there, I suddenly realized there was a way to like link all the stories together. And, and so they were building and building. And now we're on the, the fourth and final team up. And it does have even Steven in the, in the main story. Uh, and then he will also have his own uh, backup story, stories. We're working on a second stretch goal, which uh, 
Steve Lieber would draw if it gets if we get that funded. That's so. great. It, it it evokes memories of uh, Blue Beetle in the front and the question in the back, and certainly oh, the design yeah. of even Steven certainly uh, lends itself to uh, Ditko-esque uh, heroes like the question. Certainly. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not going to deny that he's, that's where his lineage is. Come on. Um, you know, but, but I will have to say, you know, I, I kind of backed into that, you know, I got into that backwards because I, I had the name and from the name, I figured out what that meant he would do. He, he always exactly equals whoever he's going up against because he feels good will triumph over evil in a fair fight. Got to be fair. Got to be exactly equal. Um, <laughs> and that was, the, I thought that sounded cool. And then I thought, well, even Steven, if, if you're, calling yourself, you're calling yourself Steven, you're not wearing a spandex suit. That doesn't sound like the name of a guy in a spandex suit. It sounds like a guy, name of a guy in a suit, you know? And that's really how, you know, we just kind of backed up into it. And uh, David took all that and uh, designed even Steven and gave him kind of um, a kind of 60s mod look, which I really love. I did, you know, because I, I was always envisioning that real snap brim hat, but he's got that more sloped brim hat. And it's a much tighter. Uh, David understands how these fashions much much better than I do. Sleek designs on both characters, absolutely. And uh, I want to I want to throw a comment up right away. Mike Jones says, uh, "Thank you, Carl and Company, for Impossible Jones." He backed uh, both Kickstarters. Well, uh, you know, we're learning now that this is this the fourth. Oh. You said it's the fourth issue, but I'm assuming it's uh, you know the fourth Kickstarter, right? Well, it's you know. We did a graphic novel, and then we've done three team-up books. So this is kind of the fifth, you know. Okay. But each time, you know, you can get all the back issues, you know. Um, and, you know, at, at this point, you know, I, I can't call them floppies because they're, they're square-bound. Um, and, and, I, and I know many retailers hate that word anyways. But, but um, you know, so I'm calling them like graphic no novellas. They're really not graphic novels. But, you know, when you're talking 48 pages – and and this last one being the, the wrap up, there's always a chance it's going to be more than 48. It might become 52, 56. You know, one of one of the great things and one of the pitfalls of creator-owned comics, especially creator-owned comics done through Kickstarter, is it's up to you how many pages it is. And uh, that is a blessing and a curse. It is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> you've uh, you've been on before to talk about Impossible Jones, but remind people about her and and what she stands for and what her what her unique uh position is as a as a character i should say right. I describe the difference obviously yeah i mean the uh the, uh the the very basic idea the elevator pitch is she is a thief who gets superpowers and then is mistaken for superhero and she just runs with it she goes yeah 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 i'm a superhero <laughs> um, but she doesn't really, well, she has no intention of giving up her, her criminal ways because she, uh, she's good at it and she enjoys it. And now she's got superpowers, but, um, but as a superhero, you know, the cops like tell her where they're on patrol. And if she wants to see a security system in a jewelry store, they're happy to show her happy to show a superhero, their, their security system in a jewelry store. And, uh, so, you know, it, it, in many ways, impossible Jones is, um, it's, it's the story of a very long con what it is she's trying to you know she's in a, a city that's got just half a dozen other superheroes lots more villains and heroes and um you know the the other heroes in in some way they don't really have a choice they they need her help so they they really don't want to um even if some of them suspect she may not be all she says she is they they need her in that city it's not like there's the avengers and the x-men the fantastic four there's like five heroes 
you know? So that's great, man. No, it's a great premise and uh, really fun designs. Uh, I think it's been a, a really worthwhile series. And I'm sorry that you're wrapping it up. I, you know, I mean, well, uh, wrapping up the team up, the team up. Ah, arc. Okay. okay. This is like the second big arc. The, the graphic novel is the first arc. This is the second big arc. And, and David and I, we certainly have a, a, another big arc in, in mind. I think after this, um, chances are we'll go and, and just do a, a graphic novel instead of doing these smaller books. Um, but, you know, David and I, we're going to do this until we uh, get tired. And uh, right now we're not tired, you know. Good I mean, quite honestly, I think David in this uh, in this most recent, it's, it's called Impossible Jones American Angel. That name is not on the graphic you have. But, mm. uh, but theoretically, the team up is with a, a character called American Angel. Um, and uh, David's doing the best work of his career on, on this particular book. I mean, he's always done great work. I've always loved his work. But there's a, there's a um, I don't know, uh, a sensitivity to it. I, I don't know. There's something really engaging, more engaging than ever before in his work in this particular issue. Sounds great, man. That's that's excellent to hear. Um, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm bringing up the uh, the Kickstarter page. You you still got uh, like about three weeks left of uh, the campaign. yeah. I think three weeks from today is the end. Yeah, so we still got a a road ahead of us, and and that's fine because you know uh, I mean one of our alternate covers this time around by was was by Adam Hughes. We have an Adam Hughes cover. We have a Terry Moore cover, um, and you know these guys are professionals. I paid for their services. And I have to earn money back because I paid for their services. So, you know, we got a, we got a little ways to go before I, I will feel out of the woods financially. Let me put it that way. No, that's I understand, man. And again, I think uh, you're 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 going about it the right way. And David's designs are great. Um, I you know yeah I, I really I think uh, this is a lot of fun. It's a good series, and you guys are certainly. Good, uh, good uh, pros. I, I remember, you know, one of my favorites of back in the day of yours was the uh, Captain America newspaper strip. Oh, one of my favorites. Not known by enough people, if you ask me. <laughs> the good news is it's on Marvel Unlimited. I mean, it was a digital product to begin with. Yeah. And then it became a comic and stuff. But it's nice that it's uh, it's sitting there now on, on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Uh, that's a good one, man. And again, you guys evoke that spirit. And I uh, certainly Impossible Jones, that that fun bronze age, I think, uh, you know, kind yeah, of fun. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you that Captain America comic strip, if it had been more popular and they'd asked me to do more, I, I would have done it forever. That was a great, great, uh, I, I have a huge love of the old comic strips, the old adventure comic strips. And me that too, was the man. whole concept. The whole concept yeah. was, you know, Superman had a comic strip in the forties, Wonder Woman, Batman, you know, invisible Scarlett O'Neill had a comic strip in the forties. Why didn't Captain America have a comic strip? And, um, and so they said, you know, I said, why don't you let me like do, do what it might've been? Uh, you know, of course I, I did it with more modern sensibilities cause you know, I didn't want it to read like a 40s, but I love doing that. You know, I just love doing that. No, it was a lot of fun. David also, David, didn't David do uh Batman 66? Yeah. David did do a bunch of Batman. A lot 66. Of them, yeah. Yeah. I think some of them, but, uh, but he did much more. Does now does David do everything? Do you ink uh, David uh, for these impossible notes? Yeah, David pencils and I ink. Yeah, that's what we do. And uh, I, I mean, I like working with David. I enjoy inking his stuff, and I enjoy inking anyways. I mean, I've always just enjoyed the physical act of inking. So it's hard to walk away from that uh, totally, um, especially on a character that I feel very invested in, like Impossible Jones. You know, um, 
You know, this, this is one of those times where you go, you know, really that tree in the background, maybe that shouldn't be that color green. You know, that, you know, that's the sort of it. And then you go, gotta let it go. Gotta let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm glad you're able to do that. And also, you know, again, you've, you've, uh, I think uh, proving yourself as a writer time and time again as well. And I know too, that the plight of the anchor is certainly uh, a little tougher these days as far as the big two goes. Oh, no, tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, anchors, they're, you know, I mean, there's so many pencilers inking their own stuff or digitally inking. Digitally inking is just taken over. I know it's, you know, technology, you know, you gotta, you gotta love it because you don't want to piss off the ro- robot overlords when they take over, you know? Hey man, I hear you. I mean, good Lord. Uh, AI is uh, even entering the voice world now I've, in uh, Chicago. One of the local radio stations cut loose their entire staff. No, it's a music station and they're going to have AI DJs. And it's just introducing songs, but Jesus, <laughs> I mean, it's like my God, you know. I mean, I, I still believe news and information is still going to need a real person, and AI will not be able to take over those departments of broadcasting. But yeah, man, no. As far as introducing a, a Taylor Swift song, I, I don't think, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be cheaper just to flip a switch. Yeah, well, I know. Well, you know, uh, I get uh, Tom Brevoort does a, a Substack newsletter and i get yeah. it every week and and i don't know if, if if you get it but last last week week before he had ai write some of his his column and you know and it sounded a lot like tom i have to say it, it i would say it sounded a little soulless and you know not quite with tom's wit but uh but it was freaky how it did the job you Interesting. know i'm still not convinced uh as far as narrative uh but you know again We'll see. I mean, uh, certainly, uh, um, what is this? Romney says, um, uh, AI may help need be more honest. May help who meet be more honest? Uh, hold on. Oh, I see. AI may help news, news more, accurate. more accurate. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Possibly, maybe. I, I, th- I still think AI in the wrong hands can uh, still manipulate. Well, the- technology, yeah. And, it, you know, yeah. It, it all comes down to who programs it and who, who, what direction they pointed it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not ready to turn it over to Skynet just yet. No, sorry. <laughs> what are you, you going to do, man? But yeah. I love, you know, I love you're wearing your Impossible Jones uh, specs. Yeah, yeah. Special. I, I mean, really, I, I, uh, was in the I needed new glasses and I was in there and I and and it was really freaky because this this uh eyeglass place they maybe they all have these but they have these huge you know shelves that just slide side to side and they've got other shelves behind them you know sure yeah and, and so I was looking for glasses and the lady goes oh you know there's more glasses behind that uh that area over there and I, I slid it to one side and there were these glasses like sitting there and I go oh my god they're impossible Jones glasses and and uh, as as I said before the show began, these are uh, focused only fourteen inches from my face. So I use I wear them whenever I draw, ink, or when I'm at the computer, like I am now. Um, but it, it, you know, if I look across the room, I, I can't see anything. It's all just a blur, a blur over there. <laughs> so when I'm when I'm walking around in the real world, I mean, this is like my secret identity glasses. In the real world, I've got just like normal glasses where I can see in di- the distance and drive a car without endangering <laughs> everyone around me. That's awesome. Mike Jones, very deep in the Impossible Jones uh, mythos, wants you to know if Carl ever wants to release a proper size copy of David Hahn's Hope City map, where Impossible Jones has said he would be all over it. That's a good idea. 
And it's not a bad idea. I have to admit, one of the things I find myself really uh, probably spending far too much think- time thinking about is, is you know, we created a fictitious city for Impossible Jones called yeah. New Hope City. I, I, I'll tell you right now, it's basically located where Eureka, California is. That's where it's located. Um, but I have gotten really um, interested in the history of the city and how it developed and the different areas that developed and, and the names for the different neighborhoods. And I mean, really, you know, I mean, if, if you go to the um, Kickstarter page and see the five pages of samples that we have, there's one part where Impossible Jones narration is, you know, describing, you know, the, the tile work in a subway stop and, that's because, like, I'm going, yeah, this subway stop would have really cool tile work. You know, <laughs> you know, like, I get really excited about that. <laughs> so. um, here, I'm, I'm again, I'm trying to bring up the page. In the meantime, uh, Jeff Parker watching us. Oh, hey, Parker. He, he, uh, he can't see uh, <laughs> Brewster's end piece from this view. Secret. What you, secret. What, no. Oh, really? It's, no, it's not a secret. No, I. I what do you got from Drew? That's amazing. I I use some of my Superman money, and I have the uh, the original movie poster for Big Trouble in Little China. Wow! And it is not here, and it, you know, in fact, actually, it's in storage right now. Okay, all right. But um, oh. but yeah, I mean, that was that was my you know, that's probably going to be what I retire on, basically. <laughs> I understand. Um, wow, I'm I'm looking. All right, I'm on the page now. And uh, I'm really glad you you have hit your goal, but you got three weeks left, and you certainly yeah. have a lot of stretch goals. And I'll I'll put them up on uh, on camera in a second uh, okay. to share with everybody, so at least the uh, viewers can see. That's another reason why I've, on the audio side, why you should always uh, uh, indeed watch uh, the the Word Balloon Lives when you can as well here on YouTube and Twitter okay. and Facebook as well. But uh, here we go. Let's see. All right, boom. So oh, there it is, almost yeah. a thousand backers. Uh, that's great, and you're you've doubled your your stretch goals or your yeah. your your goal. Yeah. So right now, uh, am I right? Let's see here. Uh, there's uh, a, an additional one page even Steven story, or just yeah. What we page? do, what I do with the even Steven stories is there's six six page stories, but um, you know, since they are big additions to the book, I ask a big amount of money. I ask six thousand dollars. A thousand dollars a page. So I break it down here. So each thousand dollars we raised adds a page to it until we get to six pages. And um, okay. And so you know we're we're shooting you know to add that that sweet Steve Lieber backup story um, at forty five k. And right now we're a little short of forty two. So but you know we got time. We got time. But but as I always like to point point out that initial goal. That, that doesn't cover all the expenses. That covers like the very basic expenses. That means we can print the book, but that doesn't necessarily pay, pay for all the time that I've put in. David Hahn has put in. Uh, Ryan Cody has put in. I mean, I'm you know these people are being paid, but they're being paid out of my pocket. Um, so we, we try to we try to earn some of that back with these stretch goals is what we try to do. Okay, and uh, uh, you've reached this goal, obviously. Yeah, all of these uh, have happened so far. Yeah, nice chibi yeah. sticker from uh, Gian- Giancarlo uh, Bernal. No, he is cool. such an amazing artist. He's he's from the Philippines, nicest guy in the whole world. And he and for for a uh, um, uh, another book on Kickstarter, it's not on right now, but it's called Crescent City Monsters. And there's another one in that same universe called Keisha Demon Eater. And uh, Giancarlo Bernal does the art for that, and it's astounding. And I fell in love with it the first time I saw it. And then during one of their campaigns. He was doing little chippy drawings of their characters, and I was like, "Going, oh, I'm going to 
to steal this idea. And I contacted him and he's been so generous doing uh, every, every campaign since uh, he's done two or three, uh, well, we use them as stickers. We use them as, as stickers that we can give out. They're really cute. And they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. No, that's great, man. Well, I guess we've uh, convinced Ronnie. Uh, he says, uh, thanks a lot. And it looks like uh, a good book. He's going to jump. Thanks, on Ronnie. That's good. Thank you. The system works. I'm so glad that uh, that happens. That's uh, that's what I hope, man, is to give people awareness of these. No, you know, really, you know, it comes down to, uh, uh, you know, getting the word out there. I mean, every single person who runs Kickstarter can tell you there's there's that story of the day after the campaign ends. Someone goes, well, I I just learned about this. How did I not know about this? And, you you know, you've been talking it nonstop for 30 days at that point, you know, 20 or 30 days. And there's there's still, you know people out there that you, you just don't quite cross paths with, you know, and these are sometimes people, you know, pretty well. Um, uh, other, other artists, have, you know, who, who we follow each other on Twitter and stuff, you know, it just depends on when I put something up and when they're looking and if they're looking at different times, you know, they don't see it, you know? Absolutely, man. No, the algorithms really screw with us in general on social media. And I, I mean, yeah, I have longtime friends that I never see their posts because exactly. You yeah. know, you just yeah. Depending on the time of day, you miss them and everything. No, it's true. Yeah, and, and, I always, and I always say too, you know, um, that if you know, I don't, I don't know all the people you know, John, and the people you know like the same things you do. And if you like Impossible Jones, there's a very good chance they'll like Impossible Jones too. But I can't tell them because I don't know those people. You know those people, and that's why sharing uh, a post is so important. Um, even if, you know, it's. Yes, it's most important to support the book. But if you can't, and I understand that these are not, you know, $4.99 books like Marvel and DC put out or used to or whatever. Um, I know they're considerably more expensive than that. Um, So I understand you. I I certainly can't buy all the books on Kickstarter that I find interesting. I know you have to budget yourself. But if you can't support the book financially, it helps tremendously just to spread the word. Tremendously. You cannot overstate that enough. (laughs) <laughs> Mike Jones says he's happy to support the Kickstarter a bit more for a weekend rental of the <laughs> poster. I promise, I promise to return it. I don't this know. really pisses me off. He see, he seems very sincere. I I, I don't yes, know. Yes, he man. does. I trust him. Uh, I trust him. <laughs> That's great. Are is there? Uh, do you have a community of friends that also do Kickstarters, and do you guys confer about? Oh this yeah, yeah. I mean, quite honestly, Keep in your circle. What was that? Who's in your circle of uh, friends? Well, that I mean, are? You know, I mean, I, I'm very close with Ron Randall. We, we, we confer almost daily during both of our Kickstarters. Um, you know, oh, here's an idea. Oh, I've tried this. And, you know, oh, look what you can do over here. And someone else is trying this idea. You know, we've got a little brain trust. Um, but beyond that, there's a few other people that, uh, that I really respect. Um, a guy named Charlie Stickney, who does a book on Kickstarter called White Ash. He's doing it. Uh, he did a spinoff called Glarian, which is about a, assassin elf gal who's sexy and beautiful and deadly and his first of all his comic work is great and he works with amazing artists but uh, charlie's a smart cookie he's he's just got a head for it and um i i tend to really trust his instincts and um i i, I watch where he's going because i think he knows where he's going and i think he's got a good feel for it so charlie stick me I, I i can't say enough good things about and um pat shand is another guy out there he does a million zillion Kickstarters and Pat is 
uh, quite honestly, just one of the best writers out there. I mean, I, uh, I supported his books originally just because he was like constantly doing them and they were constantly successful. So I said, I want to see what this guy's about. And then I was like reading his stories and I'm going, oh my God, this is very touching. This is really funny. This is, you know, and I, I was so impressed. And uh, he is a, he's a Kickstarter force to be reckoned with. There's no doubt about it. Um, Pat Shand. And, uh, you know, beyond that, there's, there's a whole bunch of other people out there that, uh, you know, the thing about Kickstarter is I think everyone helps everyone else. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's my, my feeling is that, you know, when you're at Marvel or DC and you hear your, your buddies doing Batman, you go, hey, great, you're doing Batman. But, you know, there's part of you, there's part of you goes, I'd really like to do Batman, boy. And granted, they put out a million Batman books. You probably could still do a Batman book. But um, but that there isn't that that level of um, there there isn't that level at all in Kickstarter because I'm not looking to do Trekker that Ron Randall is doing. Ron, Ron Randall is not looking to do Impossible Jones. Um, I'm not looking to do White Ash or Galarian that Charlie Stickney's doing. And we can honestly support each other very um, pure. It's a very pure support, you know. And um, we want each other to succeed, and we all believe, at least certainly I believe, and and I think everyone else I've mentioned does too that. You know, a rising tide raises all boats, you know. So, you know, the, the more people we can, you know, expose to the uh, Kickstarter stuff and get into the Kickstarter stuff, um, the better it is for all of us. The better it is for all of us. Well, I was telling you before we started, and I'm glad we mentioned Ron Randall and Trekker. I'm glad that his series continues to do well. I'm glad he reached his goals. Uh, I feel bad he reached out to me and I wasn't able to uh, – get him in the schedule, but we'll get you next time, Ron. And I, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, again, uh, I'm really glad all of you guys are taking your game to this other, you know, place of creator own stuff. I, you know, I, I don't know uh, if that was always the thought back prior to the ability now to do creator own books through crowdfunding. I mean, was it, was it always in your head with some of these characters or again, it, I mean, oh. you know, for decades, the pinnacle was uh, DC and Marvel. Well, you know, I, I love working for DC and Marvel. There, there's no doubt it was a lot of fun to play in that sandbox. But um, uh, I, I've always had some ideas that I kind of kept in my back pocket that I didn't, you know, quite honestly, ideas. Like, okay, Impossible Jones is a superhero series, and that sort of series could find a place in, I don't know about Marvel or DC, but in a more mainstream comic. Yes, it could. Yeah. Yes, Trekker did do a great time, did great this time out, Jeff. That's right. But, um, but there's a lot of ideas I have in the back of my head that I knew Marvel and DC would not be interested in. Western ideas, detective ideas, you know, um, and, and I had a certain reputation as, you know, uh, a, you know a, a more fun comics sort of guy. And, and I don't regret that reputation, but that would make a, a noir story from me much more of a hard sell through DC or Marvel, something like that. And I, I've got some noir ideas that I would really like to trot out at some time. And Western, quite honestly, that would be my top. I would love to do a Western. That I would love to see a Western from you. I think that's great, man. I mean, uh, uh, Dan Penn Ocean, obviously, uh, uh, doing a great uh, job right now with uh, Scott Snyder on Canary. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm glad that uh, you know people that do have those Western ambitions are finding a way to get them out there and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. So, um, how about uh, what have you been watching? Uh, Titans and their depiction of. Uh, of Connor Kent, uh, your your uh, creation. I, I have not seen. I have not seen. I have not seen almost any DC uh, TV shows. Very few. Very very few. It just that you know, 
my wife and I sit down at about nine at night. We have about an hour to relax. And sometimes we talk about what's going on and what we got to get done. And sometimes we watch uh, something on TV and sometimes it's top chef because we love that show. Sometimes sure. it's, you know, sometimes it's a home improvement show. Uh, and, and sometimes it is, you know, a, a TV series. Um, but generally we're way behind the, you know, uh, I, I just, you know, what, what, what did we, well, you know, we, we just finished um, uh, Reservation Dogs, which was on Hulu, which great is a great show. series. It's great. a great series. You know, but, you know, when you only have about an hour at the end of the, the day, it's hard to catch everything. Hard to catch everything. But um, but I know he was on it. And, and I know, uh, you know, Hawk and Dove were on that, too. And I haven't they seen were. that either. Absolutely. No, and really, uh, I got to say, they were kind of the secret weapon in terms of an interesting portrayal. Uh, mm -hmm. of, of them, the duo and everything. I, th I think they did a great job with Hawk and Dove in particular, but I like what they've done with Connor as well. Nice. Uh, you know, yeah, I think it's been pretty good. What, what Have you had thoughts on uh, the James Gunn new slate of uh, DC projects? You saw well, I trust, I trust James Gunn. I, I think he's, he's the man for the job. I'm very excited to see what he does. Uh, you know, I mean, um, yeah. I mean, I, I always think back, quite honestly, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of zombies. And I think back on the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which was written by James Gunn and directed by Scott Snyder, you know. Yes. And I love that movie. Uh, and you know, right or wrong, I give them most of the credit to the, the screenwriting at this point. You know, I mean, there's a, there, if you've seen it, there's there's an end sequence after, in, after the credits, which destroys the whole rest of the movie. The, the whole point of the rest of the movie is destroyed by the... And I'm going there, I, I bet you Snyder added that scene. No, that's just me. I could be wrong. Scott Snyder could be shaking his fist at me. No, James Gunn put that in the script. But <laughs> it, it strikes me as much more of Snyder's sensibilities, that really nihilistic, you know, attitude. Um, so I'm, I glad, like I'm glad DC has James Gunn. Let me put it that way. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I hear you, man. Uh, Mike says, uh, and and I, uh, I I have to say that's great. Uh, a Superman and Lois draws heavily from your Superman era. Well, it's very good to hear. I I've not seen it, so but that's very nice. I've heard it's a good show. I mean, I hear you know I know um, I I was recently exchanging some messages with Russ Burlingame, who's uh, doing a Kickstarter right now for a book uh, about the history of the series Legends of Tomorrow that DC yes. was on. He's been on to talk and, about it, yes. Oh, he has, yeah. Well, I've never watched that show, but he described it to me, and I thought, that's the sort of show it sounds like I would love. It's a, it's a, it is the, 
it leans more to comedy than the other uh, Arrowverse shows, and I think succeeds. I think I think it's a lot of fun, and they really. I kind of feel like maybe it was like Deep Space Nine with Star Trek, where they were kind of left on the, to their own devices. Yeah, we really yeah. got to try a lot of interesting things narratively. Yeah. Well, so, that sounds, yeah. it sounds great. Yeah. Uh, so. Jay Gomez and uh, shame on me, Carl. I got to go back. And now that I've got Marvel Unlimited, I really have to do it. He loved your Daredevil run. Oh well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I really saved uh, the bacon of that that new penciler, Carrie Nord. Yeah, I what saved his bacon. Him? Yeah, whatever happened to him. <laughs> Well, he's doing a comic on Kickstarter. That's what happened to him. So. Again, uh, Gary, Gary's been on as well. Yeah, no, Gary's amazing. No, what Gary's a, what an artist. Absolutely, yeah. man. Um, tell me about your Daredevil run because you wrote it as well. You know what? Uh, what was? Uh, what was your? Uh, I mean, back that, that was uh, you know uh, Bob Harris was still editor in chief, and uh, he uh, well, I was the editor. I worked with was James Felder, but um, I believe James was told to uh, find a way to bring Daredevil back to his more swashbuckling roots. <clears throat> and so they reached out to me because, uh, you know, I, I do have uh, a definite sense of humor in, in the sort of stories I do. And, uh, you know, and so that's what I was trying to bring to Daredevil. A at the same time, though, I was trying not to lose the some of the, the nice edge that the character had developed over the years. And and so I tried to find, I tried to find a way, and, and probably was very unsuccessful, to balance kind of that edge that Miller gave the character with the, the more fun aspect that, I, you know, I love in the character. I mean, my favorite runs of Daredevil are, you know, when Gene Cullen and Stan were doing it and Mike Murdoch was around where Daredevil was, Mike was trying to pretend to be his own twin brother. And, and then he would disguise himself as Thor. Like no one would suspect he was, you know, that, that anyone would buy this disguise and then he switched minds with Dr. Doom. These were the weirdest stories in the whole world. And it just, it just seemed like Stan was just throwing stuff at the wall to see what would stick. And I love that run. I love that run so much. <laughs> Did you put Mike in your, uh, in your run, Mike Murdoch? I didn't put Mike in my, my run. Um, well, we, what the, the run ended a, a, a little abruptly cause I was overworked. Um, oh. but I, I was going to bring that in. I actually had an idea where daredevil would adopt the guise of Mr. Fear. And so, those would be his three identities, Matt Murdock, Daredevil, and Mr. Fear. Um, we never quite got there, but that was, that was kind of my homage to Matt Murdock. But when they did uh, the 50th anniversary issue of Daredevil, they did ask me to, uh, to write, and, and I got to actually pencil a, a little backup, which was a Mike Murdock story. That's and, and then they got Tom Palmer to ink it, which was wow. like, right over the top, right over the top. It was beautiful. So, I mean, that's, he he made my stuff look very acceptable, very that's good. incredible, absolutely. So, as an anchor, who were some of the big icons that you had the uh, pleasure of uh, getting a chance to ink? Me? Oh yeah. my God! I've, I've inked. I've been so lucky. I've, I've inked, um, you know, John Byrne. I've inked George Perez. Um, I mean, I've inked, uh, you know, people like Leonard Kirk. Amazing. I did ink Adam Hughes uh, on a short story once. Um, any of the old timers, though, uh, Carl? I mean, I, I was wondering. Oh, wait a minute, George Tuska. I think George Tuska. Wow, so I was very excited. Yeah. Was very right. everyone, you, everyone you named is fantastic, but yeah, I consider them more your contemporaries. And I am such a George Tuska fan. My God, yeah. 
No, know, I love inking him. What, what, and do you remember what, what book was it on for you? Yeah, well, it was very early. It was like my first year. I was uh, I was inking Tales of the Legion of Superheroes, and they had backups. There's there's two or maybe three backups featuring the White Witch character. White Witch, is that her name? And I George did. Tusca penciled those, and I got oh, to ink them. Great. And it was a great. It was great. I also got to ink a few Who's Who pages by um, Kurt Swan. Wow. So, and I, I, I still have the, the Nightwing Flamebird Kurt Swan Who's Who page. It's, the Candor Nightwing and Flamebird. I know, Candor Nightwing. Are, yeah, I love it. Yeah, the, uh, so was it, it, was it Superman and Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, their little outfits, you know, their, their Nightwing sure. and Flamebird outfits. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I loved, even as a, as a kid, I loved Nightwing and Flamebird and Candor. It was great. Those, those awesome flight belts. I know. That had, yeah. the, that had the twin jets on them, uh, on the hips. Yeah. Oh, no, man. I, I, you know, I think um, either it was an 80-page giant or it was the Superman Encyclopedia where I first saw Nightwing and Flamebird designs like that. And I'm like, oh, what a great – I mean, again, I, you know, we're, we were the right age when that stuff happened where it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's incredible. <laughs> it was it really – it was always one of my favorites. So to ink that was a real joy. Yeah, I do regret – I missed inking Don Heck. I had wow. a chance – because he was draw, he was going to draw a pencil of that book that DC did back in the uh, late eighties, mid eighties called DC Challenge. Sure. And he he was going to draw an issue, and I was going to ink it. And once again, it, the schedule just didn't quite work out, and never never got another chance to ink him. Never got it, and that yeah. really is a huge regret of mine. That is a that is a strange book, and I and I don't even remember the exact premise. But I tried to read it because, of course, all the heroes that were in that book yeah, made yeah. it seem intriguing. But it was, you know, I, they did the same thing with the Commandy Challenge, you know. About right. It was very similar. Exactly. Yeah. But at least it was Commandy. So there, there was yeah. a, a spine to the whole story. Yeah. The, the the original DC Challenge just was all over the place. It was, you know, I think it was a much better uh, idea at a cocktail party than it was as a comic book, you know. Yeah, they, they, am I right? It essentially was like, okay, you know, one team does an issue and then a handoff and then the story yeah. takes whatever direction. Yeah, each, each writer could take the story in any direction they wanted to go. They just had to, you know, make sure they could wrap up any loose plot threads or cliffhanger from the issue before and then advance the story in, in whatever way they wanted, you know? So, right. but. That, that's outstanding. You also wrote a, an Indiana Jones story. Uh, mm -hmm. Back in the day, and uh, obviously we got the movie coming up. I'm sure you're. Uh, how do you feel about the movie coming? I'm up? looking forward to it. I'm hoping. I, I have hopes. I have more, more. I have higher hopes than I had for Crystal Skull. Which, well, let's face it, it's got to be better than Crystal Skull. It's got to. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, I hear it's what you're saying. Impossible not to be better. Yeah, and James Mangold. My God, I mean, what he did with Logan, and uh, yes. one of my favorite movies of his, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, from just four years ago. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but I hear very good things. It's really, really great. So yeah, yeah I, I am. Uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Comic I Boom. What? Comic Boom has joined us. Oh, said hi, Comic my Impossible Jones Kickstarter in the mail. The gorgeous Volume One hardcover. Love the posters and the custom pin. Oh, great! I love the pin too. I think the uh, the pin. I do not have one here. I gave it away. Uh, otherwise, I'd like hold it up for the camera. But I do not have one handy. But um, but yeah, I've always been a huge fan of enamel pins, and uh, we might have one as a stretch goal on this one too. Maybe. It depends on how far along we get. Do you see yourself doing any sort of event-style uh, one story with Impossible Jones and these uh, characters that you've created for this world? I'm not sure I understand what you mean, oh, uh, an event-style. What do you mean? 
like you know, uh, where where everybody, a big jam where everybody is going to be in the book. Uh, you know, well, that's kind of what's happening in this issue. This issue because, like I said, we started as four what was going to be four separate stories, but I, I actually always knew the third and fourth stories kind of connected. And then when we were doing the second story, I saw how that could connect to the third and fourth. And so I said, wow, is there a way to connect it to the first? And, oh, there is. There's a really obvious way to connect it. And all of a sudden, you know, all the stories became connected. But that means um, basically all our characters are going to team up in this last book. Um, you know, in the cover, if you, ever, if you look at the Kickstarter page, uh, the cover I've put together with David and uh, Ryan uh, has a big banner across the bottom that says, hell yeah, assemble. Because that's what they're doing. They're assembling. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna. I think I am getting to it. Stand by. Uh, <laughs> that for in a second. Uh, hold on here. Let me share the screen. Uh, is it this one? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's from the cover. If if you go up a little bit, there's there the whole cover. There's the cover. We Absolutely. American Angel uh, above. And then all the, all the all the other characters below, um, and and actually the character on the left side, the gal in the green outfit, her name is Persephone, and I've, we've mentioned her from the very beginning, but she's never appeared in the comic until now, because because I, I I've never had a place for her, never had a place for her, and this issue there's finally a place for her, and I'm really excited because um, Persephone is is um, a a hero who's elected every year. She kind of is the embodiment of the city. She's like the ambassador, the, the goodwill ambassador, although she does have powers. Um, but the thing that really intrigues me about that is it means there's all these ex-Persephones out there. They, they were Persephone for one year, and then they hand off the pendant to someone else. And uh, in fact, this Persephone is the daughter of the mayor, who was a Persephone herself. And I, I find, I don't know, I find that really interesting, that, that idea, you know, like how did people, it, in a way it's like, how do you use, you know, you're Miss America for a year, and how do you use that after you're not Miss America? You know, I'm almost more interested in what happens to them after their Persephone, you know? Oh, Some that's great. Yeah. Will you, will you uh, tell other stories in this world? with some of these other characters definitely, so definitely. I mean, happening, yeah 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 i mean any one of these that's the thing is any one of these characters could support their own book um you know persephone certainly could i mean even steven is our big breakout character and you know david and i have talked many times about him having i don't know about ongoing but certainly a graphic novel you know something that really focuses on him um any of these characters could support their own book you know or graphic novel yeah uh, David, uh, or pardon me, Jeff Parker giving the uh, recommendation that you and David Hahn are one of those chocolate and peanut butter dream teams. I agree. And he says, yeah. back, uh, impossible. We are, we are better together. Yes, that's right. We are better together. And uh, Aisham has an interesting uh, throwback moment for you. He thinks the earliest example of your art that he read was a Newsboy Legion story back in Secret or Origins. Yeah, I did do that. That was one of the few things I actually wrote, penciled, and inked myself. And uh, that happened, you know, you can blame the editor, Mark Wade, for that. Mark Wade decided I, for some reason, he decided it was a good idea to let me loose. So, but I believe that was my very first solo writing credit. And did it take the team from the 40s through their clones in the uh, in the 70s and, all, uh, you know? Well, I mean, it, it was set in Project Cadmus in, in the modern day. Um, and, it, you know, Mark Mark's... Uh, uh, 
definition of what a secret origin was was very loose. And so I just kind of did a Newsboy Legion story and there's kind of an origin of the project in there maybe, but you know, it, it's very it's really much more just of a Newsboy Legion story and I had a blast doing it. Was the Guardian in the story as well? Yeah, no? Guardian. Of course, the Guardian was in it. Yeah. Okay. Jim Harmon, absolutely. And and I, uh, and Angry Charlie, who you know Kirby had in the in the in the uh, Jimmy Olsen books, he did. I loved Angry Charlie when I, I didn't was remember there. Angry Charlie. That's fantastic. He was, a, he was a big monster from the DNA Project, and and he ate furniture. That's what he ate because they they thought there was something like in the shellac of furniture that he needed to, to eat. And anyways. But uh, but angry char yeah you know, I, I that all that stuff was in that story. So all right, and I didn't realize this. Uh, Comic boom asks a, a good question here. Um, how do you decide what Impossible Jones story to tell via Scout Comics versus going through Kickstarter? So is Impossible Jones? Uh, uh, are there other stories that Scout is uh, is publishing? Well, well Scout uh, takes what we do on Kickstarter and then um, repackages it. Okay, and gets yeah, it that's what I assumed. Sure. Yeah. Now we do do new covers. Uh, the, the, like the four issue miniseries they put out was our graphic novel, which we had structured as four issues because that's how I was trained. But um, sure. So they took that graphic novel, broke it down into four issues. We did new covers for it. And uh, some of those chapters were pretty long, so that there was no room for extra stuff. <clears throat> but in two of those uh, issues, we did do uh, one page extra stories, one which featured Persephone, actually. And, um, you know, just, and so anyways, that's what they do. And we, uh, the first two of the team up books, uh, are, have already been solicited through scout, the, uh, impossible Jones, Holly days, one shot team up, and then the impossible Jones, captain lightning team up. Both of those have been already solicited by, uh, um, scout. And in both of those, we, we do, uh, some extra interior stuff. We do, um, kind of like who's who or, uh, uh, who's who sort of pages for uh, Impossible Jones and Holly Days. And then in the Captain Lightning story, there, there's actually two pages that David and Han and I had done for the story originally, and then there was really no place for it. And so it's going to go in the Scout book. And it's it's like a um, chamber, chamber of Commerce pamphlet about New Hope City. It kind of gives the history. Like I said, I get really fascinated by the history of this fake city. And so we did a Chamber of Commerce pamphlet talking about how great, you know, New Hope City is. And we started as a small, you know, outpost and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but that that would be in the uh, Captain Lightning Scout book. Um, That's great. Yeah. No, I love that. And it reminds me of when uh, James Robinson was flushing out Opal City. Yeah, exactly. Starman, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, there's something about it, you know, and, and, you know, quite honestly, I remember being very interested in this uh, to a certain degree back when I started writing Superman, because I remember there was one scene in, in I think, the very first issue of Superman I wrote where a, a, a locomotive, you know, gets dropped into a park and it's just like sitting sitting there in the park. And I was thinking, that's going to be there forever. That That is like a new piece of public art in Metropolis where Superman <laughs> just dropped a train and no one can like get it out. And and so the idea of you know mapping out what this city is like always did really intrigue me. And so we're really getting a chance to do it much more in Impossible Jones. Yeah. Uh, Comic Boom says that the Scout Impossible Jones uh, comics command a healthy price in the secondary market. Oh. It's in the process of acquiring them. Hey man. So uh, yeah, maybe uh, you know everyone should uh, be jumping on those uh, when they. Well, come I'm going to hold on to my comp copies for a little longer then. 
<laughs> I blame you, man. Mike Jones <laughs> asks, did that Newsboy origin lead to the all uh, Cadmus stories in your Adventure Superman Superboy runs, or was that a happy coincidence? Well, no. I mean, I mean, it's, there's no no coincidences. I mean, I have always been a huge fan of the of Project Cadmus back from the days when Kirby was doing it. I, I always loved that idea, and uh, you know, of course, Jer Jerry Ordway was already using all that stuff in Adventures of Superman when they handed the book off to me, and that was quite honestly, as far as I was concerned, a very natural fit, and um, <clears throat> and so. You know, yeah, I mean, I was always uh, more than happy to use Project Cadmus in my Superman stories. And it just seemed, you know, I know when we were at that Superman summit, we were talking about how could there be a Superboy? And I said, well, he could be a clone from the Cadmus project, you know. And, uh, you know, that's what stuck. And uh, so. So, Kong, was it you or did it happen later where we discover that uh, Connor has Luther DNA along with uh, Superman DNA? No, that was uh, that was Jeff Johns, a brilliant, brilliant move on Jeff Johns' part. Made um, him, a, yeah, made him a more conflicted character, certainly. Yeah, no, it was very good. I mean, we uh, <clears throat> we you know back back when I was working on Superman books, it was yeah. a very strict rule that only Superman could be Kryptonian. There could be no other trace of Kryptonian. So you know, Supergirl wasn't Kryptonian, really. You know, and right, you know, she was Matrix. Yeah, exactly, she was Matrix. And um, I, you know, it, it was not a, uh, it, it was not a, an editorial uh, thing that I agreed with because I actually think a huge part of the appeal of Superman is the family aspect. The idea that he does have a cousin. I mean, Sp does Spider-Man have a cousin? No, Spider-Man doesn't have a cousin. You know, I, I, you know, and and you know, this the, the family aspect. He's got a dog. You know, she's got a cat. There, there really is a feeling uh, very familial feel to uh, the Superman family, you know, and, and the idea that there actually is a blood connection in between these characters too, you know, um, I, I think that's part of the uh, appeal of Superman. I mean, I so agree. And also that's really what they're doing right now yeah, uh, with yeah. the two books. And I've had uh, Philip Johnson on, and I've, I've talked to, to Josh Williamson about it and, and Jurgens and, uh, the the uh, feature that Dan is doing and everything. I noticed Dan also contributing to uh, the Impossible Jones. Uh, uh, well, he did do. Uh, he was gracious enough to do an alternate cover for us. Yeah, which I will never ever reprint. If anyone wants a copy of that cover, they've got to get that book. It will not be in compilations. It will not be in the big you know coffee table art book we do someday. Um, that Dan Jurgens cover is going to be printed once. It's the alternate cover for one of the Impossible Jones Holly Days uh, book. And um, when that print run is gone, it's going to be gone. That's all I can say. That's awesome, man. What are the what are the prices for this issue uh, digitally and uh, as, a, as a, a hard book as well? I believe digitally it's $8. I could be wrong. And, and I think it's 19 or 20 for the printed book. But that gets you the digital version. And uh, everybody is getting uh, – when Adam Hughes did his cover, he did a background, which was uh, Impossible Jones's face done in the style of the Obama Hope poster. Yes. You know, that, red, yeah. that red and blue, real contrasty red and blue. Yeah, and, we're going to show it in a second. Go on. And and so I said to him, I said, Adam, I love that. We, can, can, can I offer that as a poster all by itself? And he goes, yeah, Carl, go ahead. So, um, so anyways, everyone gets a free uh, Adam Hughes uh, hero. It says hero instead of hope at the bottom, hero. 
and uh, everyone will get an uh, Adam Hughes hero poster. And um, there it is right there. And, um, and as we add on things like, uh, like those uh, stickers, those chibi stickers we saw earlier, yeah. uh, everybody who backs the, the book gets those. So, you know, even though, uh, you know, like I said, I think, I think it's either 19 or $20 for the book. And that's pretty high, but it is like at least a 48 page book with two six page backups featuring even Steven. So, so 12, that's already 60 pages of story right there. Um, yeah. Yeah. See, we got the Adam Hughes cover, the Terry Moore cover. Those yeah. are both so gorgeous. So Absolutely, gorgeous. man. No, they're, they're beautiful. Absolutely. And, uh, Krampus, of course. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's our big bad for the issue. He's he's gotten a hold of this power stone that makes him kind of cosmic power, and that's another reason we need all the heroes to fight him. Hilarious. So, um, that's great, man. No, again, these designs are so wonderful. Here's a good example of uh, David's work as well, and uh, yeah. a lot of your work uh, throughout the years. Absolutely, I didn't know you created King Shark. Yeah, back in Superboy, baby. Yeah. That's right. Hey, I hope you got a check for it for uh, for the use so far. They, they, they gave me they gave me some money. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and I'm sure not enough, but but uh, you know I'm glad you got. No, some. But I, I would just tell you it was just a thrill to see the, the character on the screen. And even though you know when I when I did him, he was a pretty hard ass, you know, gonna bite your arm off character. How can you not love what James Gunn did with him in Suicide Squad? How can you not? And I was just thrilled he survived, so he would be in the sequel. I was thrilled. You know? Absolutely, man. And uh, Stallone, Stallone voicing him. I know, I know. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. It's just like Vin Diesel being Groot. No, it's it's yeah. like last thing you'd expect, but it's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> it worked really well. It worked really. And who would have guessed? Who would have guessed King Shark would have ever been in any movie ever? Who would have guessed that? Well, you know, that that is James Gunn's brilliance is really zeroing in on these lower tiered heroes. And finding a store or villains and finding stories to tell with them. And mm -hmm. that's why I am very confident that he will do a great job. And we've already seen it with his Suicide Squad movie, with the Peacekeeper TV show, yeah, and everything he's done in Marvel. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he gets it. Because I, yeah. I, I, you know, and I don't know if we, we talked about it. When they first told me, and I mean, you know, I, I know Joe Casada and Bennett's well enough. And, you know, back in the day, and it's like, so what's next? And they're like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm like, <laughs> why? I'm like, is that is that going to work? I'm like, I, 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 I I'm like, you're going to be blown away, and I'm like, and I but, was, you know, and but, we all were, you know. But the, the brilliance of that is, you know, the brilliance of that was they go, we have Captain America and Thor and Iron Man here; those are our top string characters. Guardians of the Galaxy, that's bottom of the barrel, people. And if that's a success, we got a million things in between. Hundred percent. You know? Yeah, I'm. I uh, I will admit a bit of uh, tedium on my part as far as a viewer on uh, Phase Four, uh -huh. but I am excited for Phase Five, and um, I think Kang is a great big bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I I do worry a little bit about going to the well too much with uh, alternate universes. It's almost like time travel that if you use it too much, uh -huh. it becomes mundane. I believe, but um, so far so good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, it's you know the whole multiverse thing is really interesting because, of course, historically DC has the multiverses, you know, um, and so it's very interesting to see Marvel embracing it. But they're embracing it probably for a very practical reason: is because actors get old, and and they've got to be able to pull in a new Iron Man or whatever, you know. 
I had that conversation with Jeff Loeb like 10 or 12 years ago where yeah. I'm like, you know, there's going to come a time where, and we're there where, yeah. you know, Downey Jones is, you know, knocking on uh, the year 60s door. I'm like, are we going to, are we going to want a 60 year old Tony Stark? And he said, I don't know, but isn't that a good problem to have Yeah. as far yeah. as, Hey, this character is great. What do we do when we reach a certain age? Yeah. I really, I, I do wonder if whenever the culmination is, will we see alternate actors playing Cap and, and, and Tony and, and these characters that they have, you know, pushed aside, you know, from a story standpoint. Yeah. So we'll so see. Like see. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Interested to see where it goes. Absolutely. Uh, Mike says King Shark is in the upcoming Suicide Squad video game. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. That's cool. And again. Oh, yeah. he's a playable character. Very interesting. Yeah. How about that? That's cool. I just talked to, to um, John Lehman on Monday. And I don't know if I had asked him if, uh, well, and again, the fact that he's in the video game, uh, maybe that means that they're going to do a, pre he's doing a prequel to the video game where it's the Suicide Squad versus Arkham Asylum. Oh, nice. And, and I wonder if King Shark is uh, a part of that. I would imagine he would be because again, it's a direct it's part of video game. I guess he would have to be. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. And I know too, our, my buddy Tim Seeley just did a, a very good King Shark uh, miniseries last year. Yeah. So that's cool. That's great, man. So are are you pitching for DC and Marvel at all, Carl? No, I mean, I don't know. I have to admit, I'm just I'm I'm having a great time doing Impossible Jones. Yeah. And uh and and anytime I think of beyond Impossible Jones or side projects to Impossible Jones, it's um it's other things I want to do. It's other things I want to do at That's Kickstarter. Great. Either maybe a project I actually draw myself, or maybe, you know, I don't know, there's an artist that pops up that I would like to work with, you know. I know, you know, David's got a, a side project or two going, which is fine. You know, David, I, I have to say, one of the great things about David, besides being a great artist, is he says, I'll get you three pages a week. And you know what? He always does. He wow, that's great. You know? Fantastic. That's wonderful. No, man, again, uh, longtime fan of David's as well with his uh, Batman 66 work in particular. Right. And, and very well suited for this. Did you guys co-create Impossible Jones or was David? Yeah, we, we, yeah we're, we're co I mean, I had the basic idea, but beyond the basic idea, it's been us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's been uh, in the last one where, where she teamed up with Polecat, um, there was a point where I just said, you know, well, I kind of think they, they they meet, you know, four women and, and I don't know, like, what they're dressed as. And, and David goes, I got it. Don't worry. I got it. And, and he came up with some great characters, you know. That's terrific, man. Are you guys going to be at conventions either together or separately this year? I don't know about David uh, and I really, other than, uh, you know, local shows, I think I'll make the Portland show, which is what, September, August, something like Rose that. Rose City. Yeah. yeah Rose City show. Um, I don't think I'm going to be at any other big shows or any little shows. I, I will be visiting my sister uh, in North Carolina, which is, we're going to start vis the visit on 4th of July. And I think the following weekend, I will be making some comic shop appearances in the area. Um, Great. But, uh, but that's the closest to a convention I'm going to get this year, probably. I understand. Are the, are you? I mean, obviously, I see uh, you know Parker uh, pitching in with comments uh, tonight. Are you at Helioscope? Are you friends with a lot? And certainly, you mentioned Steve Lieber, another Portland. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of one of their ad, adjunct members. I mean, yeah. I'm 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 a member. I see all of their emails, but there are quite honestly, there are a lot of members I have never met. You know. 
these okay. young whippersnappers, young whippersnappers. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the level of talent that they have in that place is, is just, it's, it can stun an ox, the level of talent they have. So, and it's, it's fun to be included with, uh, you know, their, their emails about, you know, like Wednesday is their big, you know, work party Wednesday. And they, they like all come in and eat cookies and biscuits and stuff. And you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I work slow enough that I just do not feel justified in taking time out to commute basically in and out. My commute is, you know, uh, 10 steps from the kitchen. And I'm at well, my, yeah. yeah my I was going to say one flight of stairs or even yeah. Yeah, one, one room to another room. No, I can appreciate that. So, um, um, you, know, I, you know, you know, other people like Ron Randall, he, uh, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's wrong, you know, he, he treasures that connection. And even though Ron has moved uh, and lives on the coast of Oregon now, uh, he comes in like every month and spends two or three or four days uh, at Helioscope, you know, just keeping, you know, because he finds it really regenerates himself. And and I don't, I can't argue with that. You know, it does having that sort of input, uh, new input from, you know, directions and people you didn't expect it from, you know, that's very valuable, very valuable. Parker, uh, Parker points out that your uh, space is now, oh. uh, is now acquired by uh, Kevin McGuire. Oh. And I assume he means Steve Lieber when he says Steve uh, makes the biscuits these days. You know, yeah, Steve, Steve Lieber does make biscuits, yeah. I've seen <laughs> pictures of them. They look tasty. They look That's very tasty. Um, I should ask, uh, with all the big crossover events of the 90s, indeed, Final Night was one of the best and worked really well, uh, even without the tie-ins. Hopefully it will be adapted someday. Oh. Yeah, that'd be an interesting movie. So I would love to see, you know, you know, uh, the DC's animation or whatever, do a, a version of Final Night. That would be great. Here's Ron. Ron, oh, I'm sorry. He <laughs> near me earlier. But he says he mostly comes in at Helioscope for the business. Yeah, well, Ron's yeah. not a stupid guy, you know. Ron, when you know. Uh, I was in uh, for uh, the 2019 Rose City uh-huh. and uh, stay, staying at Bendis' house. And, in fact, Parker picked me up from the airport, which was great. And I planned this day at Helioscope brought my uh, portable recorder and was going to talk to everybody. And we were just having such a good time relaxing. And I'm like, can we not do the podcast? Give, <laughs> give it to drink coffee and talk. And of course they're like, absolutely, man. So no, I had a blast. And yeah, I mean, Parker, Parker's a good old time friend and uh, Libra's become a good friend as well. Yeah. So no, I really like those Helioscope people, both the young and the new people. So yeah, definitely yeah. the young and the old people, whatever. <laughs> That's yeah, great. man. Good group. Good group. Absolutely. And Ronnie's really been, uh, I think, won over. He says, this is one of the best word balloons. Thank you, Ronnie. Well, again, it's all Carl. Uh, He wants, he's he's already coming up with uh, new names for when you come on, Carl, the new King Carl speech. He loves Tom King, but uh, these two need to work together. Imagine a King and Carl show. Oh, that'd be interesting to see you guys work together, you and Tom King. Oh, Tom King. Okay. I, I, I was like going, what Tom is he talking about? And that's Tom King. Well, I, uh, um, I'm sure Tom, I'm sure Tom King is very busy right now. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I have to admit, I've been really enjoying uh, human target, but I, you know, I don't oh get into a comic shop like I used to. So I actually been picking up the the books. So I haven't seen the conclusion, the thrilling. Oh, I was going to ask. All right. I'm not going to spoil that. No, I, it's, no but uh, I've, I've read the uh, first six issues. It's such so. a great story. And my God, Greg Smallwood. Oh. What a great artist. Absolutely perfect choice for that sort of story. Absolutely perfect. Oh, you, you can't help but fall in love with Ice. My yeah. God. She has never been more like, a, you know, just yeah. a, and, and a perfect role in, in this noir story. And it's like, 
Yeah, man, she's like Jean Tierney and Laura. Of course, you're gonna fall. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 been the first six issues that I read were really spot on. So it'll be interesting to see how it all wraps together, all comes together. I mean, I've ordered it through Amazon, so like the day it's released, it'll be on my door. So excellent. Oh no, yeah, you won't be you you won't be disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for Impossible Jones, and here's the left field thing, and especially thinking back to uh, the Cap newspaper strip idea. How about an old style radio show that almost has that Batman '66 right uh, narrative appeal for Impossible Jones and and that, that could city? Be cool. That could be cool. Yeah, you don't see a lot of. Oh. Yeah, I mean, there were some, those old Batman and, and Superman radio shows. Yeah, that's true. Well, and honestly, both DC and Marvel are really getting into audio. Mm-hmm. And right now on uh, on HBO Max, and I believe on um, Spotify. There is kind of a Batman '66 style oh, uh, audio show that absolutely is like you know, yeah, very very Silver Age in its tone, in, in the best ways. I've so, I've been getting the I've been getting the, the audio adaptations of the Sandman. Those are really good. Where they yes. you know they stage them with different actors. And oh yeah. Stuff. Oh, oh no, and these are fully dramatized as well. Yeah. No, I, I you know I'm a I'm an old time radio nerd, man. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love anything that when when new people are are flirting with audio and stuff. That, that it, Batman sixty six style radio show that sounds really interesting. I'll yeah, and again, I, I, I can kind of see Impossible Jones being in that uh, way. And I they even also they they adapted uh, the audio dramas into comics, so there are oh, new really that okay. adapt them as well. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty fun. Well, if you need a big uh, kind of uh, Ted Knight booming voice. For yeah. uh, you know the adventures of Impossible Jones, I'm I'm throwing my hat in. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know I remember I, I was listening to uh, yeah I have some CDs uh, you know of the old Superman radio show, and the ones I have have them teamed up with Batman. That's yes. why they like released it. Yes, and, and I, I remember I'm I'm listening to it at one point and like Batman and Robin and I think there's someone else and they're they're trapped in like this pit or something. And and there's water and I think the water might be rising little by little. And Batman goes, we must. Get out of here, and, and then and then he just starts going, help, help, and th that's like his big plan to get out is to shout for help. <laughs> so it was not really guy. the Batman we know. No, no, I've heard those as well. It's funny they even uh, on a, a syndicated old time radio show that uh, played here in Chicago every Friday. They would run a chapter of those uh, Superman Batman uh, stories oh, and cool. stuff. And yeah, it would crack us up. We were all laughing at uh, the news station that played them and stuff. No, so yeah. it's a, and of course, uh, hey, and I'm glad they finally adapted it into a comic. That Superman versus the Klan story is uh, uh, a great uh, radio show. That again, yeah, finally yeah. they decided Gene Luen Yang uh, wrote it, and it was a fantastic story. Absolutely, uh, Comic Booth says Ron, thank you for Trekker. Very cool. I'm glad that. Uh, uh, Trekker's getting some love on today's show. That's awesome. Yeah, no, Trekker. You know, you can see Ron's love in every single page of that book. And um, yeah, I, I just have to say, him doing Trekker at Kickstarter without him having to worry about when is Dark Horse going to put it out and what does you know you know the there was certainly I think a certain amount of um, tension where Dark Horse was trying to figure out how to market it, how to get it into a, more people's hands, and uh, you know. Ron gets into people's hands by basically, you know, just talking about it for one whole month whenever he's running a Kickstarter. But uh, but freed of those worries about, you know, commercialism and stuff, Ron yeah. is doing some of the most nuanced and um, wonderful stuff his, of his whole career. His, his uh, storytelling 
and and his characters are uh, there's something like in the last two years, three years, he, he's you know a lot of people you know talent goes like this and then you step up and then you step up and Ron has taken a step up like in the last three four years and his his stuff is uh, of an exemplary level exemplary. It's an epic sci-fi tale, and it really is worth everybody's attention. Yeah. And I'm glad that uh, Ron is having the success he is. I'm glad you're having the sex success you are as well with uh, Impossible Jones. Well, again, well, you know, hey, man, we got we got three weeks to go and plenty of room for uh, stretch goals to expand that even Steven story. Yep, but, uh, we'll, you know, do that. we'll remind everybody right now, go to impossiblekickstarter.com. It's easy to remember. Easy to remember. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, the proof is right there in that David Hahn art. That yeah, also, no, you know, the, the, the gesture, yeah. David the gesture Hahn, gives her. I'm sorry, say it again. I was going to say the gesture he gives her, it's just so perfect, you know. And then, you know, look at her standing next to even Stevens. That you can tell so much about those characters just from the way they stand, you know. No question. Absolutely, man. No, congratulations, honestly, Carl. This no, is thank uh, you very much. another great uh, story in the Impossible Jones uh, saga. Right. And uh, glad to make people aware of it. And uh, everybody should go and uh, support it. And, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for the questions. Yeah. Uh, thank, you, uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, watching. Um, not sure if we're doing a Word Balloon Live tomorrow night, but uh, more great stuff next week as uh, the month of March continues. Next weekend, I'll be at C2E2. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing uh, six panels. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, so yeah, moderating, moderating several, but I'm, I'm on a Friday meet the press panel. I'm doing a YA panel with Jeff Smith among uh, the creators. Oh, really? And, uh, also say hi for me. Oh, I will. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, a, a DC Marvel writers panel uh -huh. and, uh, uh, Chris Gage and, uh, Ryan Brown's 8 million genies. I'm doing that. Oh and yeah. Everyone's favorite TV horror host, Sven Gulli, Chicago's <laughs> very own. I'm doing the Sven Gulli panel. So that's all happening on Saturday. On Sunday, it's uh, me and then uh, the Tiny Titans guys, uh, Art and Franco from All Yeah Comedy. You got a great lineup. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So if you're coming to McCormick Place and C2E2, make sure you say hi. So uh, that's, uh, that's it for today for Word Balloon. Thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy.